I stopped focusing on what was missing or what was wrong or what was lacking in myself and what I wasn't capable of. And then I started also doing it in others and really seeing them for what they had and what was great and seeing myself for that and, and what I was capable of. And they started showing up at a much higher level. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm Amira Alvarez. I am the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Woman and your host for this podcast. And I am super excited to have on the show today. She's back as a second time guest. Uh, one of my clients, Devin Clement, she is the founder and CEO of a fabulous company called Happy Family After. And I cannot wait for her to tell you all about the, the company and how she has scaled in the intersection between her scaling and the inner game growth that she has been on. I think that's going to be the main topic of today, but we'll see what, what happens when we start uh, <laughs> talking. She also, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, has been on as part of our Coaching Uncut series. She's part of the immersion coaching that I do, and she is uh, given permission to have her calls recorded and shared on the podcast to be of service to more and more people. And we need to talk about service as part of compensation. So let's connect the dots on that as well in this conversation. So welcome, Devin. So happy Thank you're you here. Thank you so much, Amir. I'm so excited to do this and to talk to you again. Yeah. It's so good. Now we talk almost what three times a week already. Um, so we're talking now on the podcast as sort of like a, a summary, connect the dots. We were talking last week or a couple of weeks ago around how much has changed in your life and in your business. And I thought, wow, this would be a great, not just story to tell, but, but something that our audience could really learn from. I'm, I'm looking to pull out the salient pieces of what's happened in your journey from mm -hmm. your perspective. And then I'll add my perspective to sort of help the listener who may be in a similar place as where you started off, really gain some golden nuggets and what they can do to scale their own business and, and really grow their own life. So Let's talk about the before. Where were you both when we first started working together and then like jump us forward to October, last October, which is when we last spoke and then jump us forward to today. Yeah, so um, when we started working together in uh, like September of 2019, my business was doing pretty well. <clears throat> I had been in business for about eight years at that point and it was coasting. Um, I, you know, had a pretty good reputation. I got referrals. I had some decent SEO just from being around for a while. And, uh, you know, we were, we were doing a pretty good amount of clients and sales and stuff like that. But I was feeling really, um, I had spent about a year or two feeling pretty burned out from just working so hard in my business that I wasn't really working on the business. I was just letting it sort of cruise along. 
And I decided in the middle of 2019 that what I really wanted to do was grow and scale and really put myself into the CEO role and grow the business and make it, you know, take it to the next level, whatever that looked like, that I was like ready to do that. So that's when I started working with you. Can I we knew pause that right I'm, there. Sure. Can, are you willing to share your numbers so that when people say, oh, she's been in business for eight years, they know yeah. what roughly <clears throat> not whatever you feel comfortable oh, yeah, sure, with. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, up until that point I had, we had basically been doubling our business year after year, like one year I made 100K, next year I made like 200. Then it probably didn't, I don't remember exactly because it was a while ago. Basically in 2018, we did about uh, 400 to 450. And then 2019's numbers were holding out pretty similar. And just to give some context, I run a service-based business. We do newborn care and baby sleep training. So I send people out to work in people's homes. So um, we do, you know, a large amount of sales, we can do a large amount of revenue, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming to me as the owner of the business. So I was one of my own employees working with clients, like making my money that way, because I didn't have a very good uh, margin. And like, once we paid out to the people doing the work and paid some of the business expenses, there wasn't a lot that was coming to me as the owner of the business. So I wanted to change that. Um, I wanted to really have more control over what was actually happening behind the scenes, really have, have, you know, better, we had decent systems, but I wanted better systems. I wanted things not just to exist in my head. I wanted people, other people to be able to handle situations that previously only I could handle. Um, so those were my, those were my goals. And uh, like I said, I wanted to, I wanted to increase revenue, but more than anything else, I wanted to increase those, those margins and actually pay myself as the CEO of the company and not just the hardest working person here. So, which can, um, let's and, put a pause right there. This is something that so many business owners, entrepreneurs experience. They, they're the owner, but they're working crazy amount of hours. And if you do the math, it's like 10 or $15 an hour, right? Right. For, for all the effort that they're putting in. Now you get freedom and you got have agency there, but wouldn't it be nice to be compensated at a higher level? So this is what Right. Devin came to me with. Okay. Right. So uh, that's where I was. So we started working together. We did a VIP day. We came up with this great plan to like scale and grow. And, but before I did that, I had to really get everything systematized behind the scenes because if we were going to have all this growth. It couldn't all just live in my head. So I was working on that, worked on that for a period of a few months. And then the pandemic hit and my plan to uh, send people into strangers' homes in a bunch of cities across the country uh, had to be put on hold because people were not so much not so much into that. Um, but fortunately, it worked out. People still need baby care no matter what's happening, and um, we were able to safely and responsibly continue to do what we were doing. And then uh, when you and I spoke in the fall, we had really started to like pick back up. And uh, I thought that the the time that had kind of been a little bit of a lull, say from like 
March to September, which really it was like maybe March to July had really like stalled things in their tracks. And I wasn't going to be able to grow and experience the growth. And what ended up happening was that all the time I spent in those months, like working on the, the inner game stuff that you couldn't even see from the outside because we were like barely doing any business, uh, was I think a quantum leap, which is really what I was hoping for and what I came to you for in the first place. So basically, since we last spoke in October, uh, I moved into my fabulous apartment that we spoke about uh, at that time, which I was terrified I was not going to be able to afford. Uh, And it is April 5th and my rent is paid. So I'm not, uh, not too worried about that anymore. Let's talk, Um, let's pause there for a second. So people have context. Devin lives in New York City. A fabulous apartment in New York City is a fabulous price tag as well. It's not just chump change. Okay. And, and she wanted, you know, she wanted the next level uh, apartment. So I think we spoke about this a a little bit in the last podcast. You should, if, if you're interested in Devin's story, we'll put the link to that initial podcast interview in the show notes. So you can go back and listen Um, but I believe you had just moved in or just signed the lease or something like that, but yeah, I moved in in November. So I think I had just, uh, decided to take the plunge and sign the lease and, and move in. And this was a big, this was a big, it seems in hindsight, 2020 hindsight, what's the big deal? You know, I, it's just an apartment and she's lived there for five months now. It's fabulous. She's totally used to it. But at the the time she made that decision, it was an amount of money that she had never spent on herself and that she didn't know if it was going to be there on a regular basis and could she afford it. And she had to take a leap of faith. Do you remember that? Can you can you talk about it? So it's not just me talking about it here. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying not to repeat everything I said in the last one, but I'm happy to uh, happy mm. to do that as well. It very much was. And I had had an idea in my head of what I could pay for rent or what I should pay for rent or what I could afford that was based on what I paid in the past. And, uh, you know, it, it, it had increased. It was a slight increase over what my rent budget had previous, previously been. And as I was looking at places, I was finding places that were like pretty decent. I liked them, whatever. And then I found- Wait, wait, wait. You were also saying, well, I could just have roommates and I could, I could sublet from so-and-so, which was so Devin 10 years ago. Okay. Right. Not this, not the CEO of this nationwide company that she's about to like blow up and- my friend has been, you know, out of the city for the pandemic and his place is like available. So I was living there temporarily. I was like, maybe I should just stay here till he comes back. Like it's basically free, but it was like way out there. It wasn't near anything I wanted to be at. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't have outdoor space. It didn't have a ton of natural light. Like it was not my, my dream apartment, but I was like, I can make do. And then I, uh, I was, I was looking and I saw this place and I loved it, but it was so much more expensive than I thought I could manage. And, uh, I remember I said to you, I should go look at this place just to like get an idea of something to shoot for. Right. And you were like, yeah, of course you should. And, uh, you told me later that you were thinking, um, she's going to live there. (laughs) Absolutely. I got that text from you, Devin. And I was like, oh yeah. The desires felt the supply is ready to appear. Go. 
go. Exactly. Exactly. And I will say that that prior to that, even though I had all these big goals in mind of like growing my business to a million dollars and, you know, doing all this stuff, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of reason behind it. I, I, prior to that had been, like I said, my business was doing well. I was able to buy the things I wanted to buy, go on some of the trips I wanted to take, um, you know, live in New York city, feed my cats. Well, like I, I was, I was comfortable. So there wasn't anything that I was like, I want this big thing. So when, when the going gets tough in like growing the business and working on the business, when you'd be like, why do you want this? I'd be like, yeah, I don't, just cause I do. I don't know. I didn't really, but once I, you know, looked at this place and I started looking at the numbers and I was like, I can make this work. Like I could make this amount of money. It's like not a problem. And that's something I really love about having my own business because my friends who have, you know, jobs and salaries and stuff, even when they do super well, they know they're only making X amount of money at any given time. And I'm just like, what, what is that even like? Like to not have the, the possibility of more, yeah. you know? Um, and of course, in my mind at the time, which I probably didn't tell you, but in my mind at the time, it was like, well, I could just go back to working with clients if I need to, like, oh, so if I need extra money, I can just go back to, you know, doing five to seven overnight shifts a week, taking care of a baby for 10 to 12 hours, and then it'll be fine. I'll be able to afford my apartment and I'll be exhausted and I won't be able to run my business. Yeah. Um, so but, let's take a pause know. right there. So one of the things that Devin and I worked on and, and you'll have to translate this to how this applies to your business, but she was working in her business, not just on her business. Now, right. some, of, some of you have to do the client execution work. Devin does not. Her business model is, is, works seamlessly without her doing that, but she was in a scarcity mindset about how can she pull in the money if she doesn't do the work because her profit margins are higher because she's being paid not just as the owner of the company for on that job but as the executor the contractor working the 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 job as well and so right. that was a big chunk of what um she and i had to work on you know psychologically like no 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 right. no hard line no okay so right. So now I interrupted you on the apartment side of things. What else changed for you? So there was also this aspect that I had kind of not really acknowledged or, or fully understood that was a lot of what we worked on that was that I didn't really think that I was capable of having more than I had. And I think that's why it was hard for me to think about what I wanted, because for a long time, it was like, I want to, you know, feel financially secure to know that, like, if my cats need to go to an emergency vet visit that costs $500, I'm just going to be able to pay that without worrying about it. To know that if I, you know, like, I wanted to buy Lily Pulitzer, and like, I have a closet full of Lily Pulitzer. Like I want to be able to help people who need help. I, I give a ton to, uh, you know, women, single moms and black women and things like that who are less fortunate. And I really wanted to be able to do that. And I felt like I was really making the contribution that I wanted to make. So anything else felt like it was so much astronomically bigger than what I was already doing. 
Like I can go on a trip to Paris and stay at an Airbnb that's like a fourth floor walk up and have a good time in Paris or find like the cheapest flight or whatever and have a good trip to Paris. But like flying first class to Paris or staying in like a super fancy hotel or going to a tropical island and actually like staying at a resort and not just at the, you know, yoga ashram. There's about to be a cat fight on my bed. So maybe we'll just edit that part out. Um, and, you know, stay at the yoga ashram that's like next to the fancy resort because it's cheaper. But but going to that next level just didn't feel possible. And I kind of didn't realize that until the fall. I remember us having a conversation about it and I was in this apartment. So it was probably like shortly after I moved in. I just always imagined that if I wanted that next level... Uh, it was going to be because I got together with someone who could afford it and then they would provide that for me. And because it was not going to be something that I was going to be able to do for myself because all I ever envisioned was this is the amount of work I'm capable of doing. This is okay. The business is now bringing in a little more so I can do a little more. I do some like higher level client work in my business, like some consulting and that kind of thing. So like maybe I could do a little bit more of that, but there was not a part of me that thought you can sell so much and staff so much that this business can just pay you to be its CEO and that it can pay you very well to just be its CEO. And that I think is really where things changed tremendously. And that wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, in this one phone call, I went from here to here. Like there was so much buildup and so much foundational work that we did on self-worth and stuff with my, my past, my childhood, my parents, like all these things that were just like bubbling beneath the surface that I hadn't really consciously identified that was was causing that um yeah that, and and then there, there was a shift that happened that was around seeing yourself as someone who was capable of this correct right exactly and when once you started to see yourself as capable and yes there's a build-up and then there's this moment where it drops in what happened as a result of that? Uh, <laughs> so my sales have increased like tremendously. I have become like, I just, I, I don't like, I don't even know if I can articulate. So remember how I said that in like 2018, 2019, I had kind of plateaued at around 400 to 450,000. I have that sold for 2021 by March 15th. Right. Like so, two and a half months, wait, let's pause there. Two and a half months into the year, she has made what she made annually in two and a half months. Right. This is the shift that happens. And, and right. people think, why are we talking about relationships? Why are we talking? What are the things that we talked about? Devin, we talked about relationships. We talked. We talk about-, about relationships a lot. Um, you're sick of hearing about my my dating life. <laughs> I am not sick um, of hearing about your dating life. We talk about we talk about my parents. 
And I've always thought like, I have a great relationship with my parents. Like everybody has these little issues and these little things. Like I don't have any like major traumas or anything like that, but they, they plant seeds that are pretty hard to, to dig out. Um, let's, let's pause there. Too, I and, think your, this and your is... childhood and. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to elaborate on that for, for our listeners. So what Devin is articulating here is that in her childhood, she developed her personal self-image. She made meaning out of her experiences with her family of origin, her mother and her father in particular. And that got embedded and started to drive how she saw the world and everything that was possible for her. So she capped herself at a certain place based on what she saw as possible for herself. The first breakthrough was in the apartment. I, my, my analysis, Devin, is the first breakthrough, I mean, there were breakthroughs all along the way, but the, the, the most recent one was this breakthrough around the apartment, really yeah. choosing to do something for yourself and being able to execute on it, proving that to yourself. And that allowed you to see yourself in a different light. And then if I could do that, what else is possible for me? Backed up by all the, the, the deep uncovering that we did around the self-image and starting to recreate a new self-image that is an iterative process. We have had many conversations about it because your, your old self-image doesn't want to just let go, doesn't want to just disappear. It needs some iteration around it. And would you agree with, we've had similar conversations again and again and again, not because you're stupid or it's hard, but because there's a part of you that's still attached to the old way of being. Exactly. And, and there's so much that, that resists that. And, and a lot of what I know about the brain and psychology and things like that is that, is that we have the, this primitive brain that's trying to keep us safe, which is great. Thank you, brain. I've done a lot of work on like being grateful for that aspect, but it's also not necessary. Um, and that, that we can strive for things and if they don't work out the way we think they will, it's not the end of the world, but sometimes we're so scared that they won't work out and it'll be the end of the world that we don't even try. And I'll tell you, spoiler alert, like nothing I've done has not worked out. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't mean every single thing ever, but like, even with this apartment, I was like, okay, so I'll live there for a year. And when I like, really, it's like a struggle to pay the rent and I can't do it. And I'm working my fingers to the bone, taking care of babies. Like I only have to live there for a year and then I can go back to like someplace cheaper. And like, we're already almost halfway through my lease and it has not been an issue. And I have not had to, you know, go back to the salt mines. So in fact, you're growing. You've yeah. have you officially bought the businesses? Talk to talk to us about um, the expansion of your business. Yeah, so um, my plan was to expand my business to a couple of other cities where I knew there wasn't a strong presence for this work. At least not someone that I was um, that I considered a you know 
colleague that I would be in competition with because I didn't see a point in that. But um, as I was having this plan and not really telling anybody about it and nobody really knew about it because I was like working on it behind the scenes, a colleague uh, came to me and said, I don't want to run my business anymore. I There's so many things about it that I don't like. I just want to go back to doing client work. Do you want to buy my business? And I was like, sure. Okay. So um, I bought her business and I've annexed it. She's she's sort of adjacent to our current service area. So it expanded our current service area much bigger. And when we talk to the things that she really loves about the biz- running the business are the things that I don't like as much. So I'm bringing her on as... Uh, not only someone to work with the clients, but also uh, as someone in sort of the leadership team to do some of these aspects of things that I didn't really want to do. And I think sort of letting go of feeling like I had to do that. And that was like one more responsibility also made it possible for me to grow and scale and like having the right people on your team is so huge. huge. So just knowing that if we did more business, it didn't mean that because even in like CEO mode, like even running the business, there was stuff that I found like sometimes overwhelming, like a client calls and they want somebody right away because their baby is three weeks old and they're going crazy. And then I spend my whole day, like, you know, throw the calendar out the window and just spend the whole day trying to like get them set up with coverage. Like now that I have other people who can help with that and we have systems in place for that, it's like, oh, we can, we can do this work. We can get through this. Um, even recently, like my sales were like, so hopping in February and March booking clients for the spring and the summer that I was like, had a moment where I was like, Oh crap, like who is going to do all this work? Like I have a great team, but I need more people. And like, you know, I think previously that would have like either consciously or unconsciously stopped me from selling more or growing more. Um, I just was like, Oh, I have an application. I have connections. I have a network. I can put it out there. I can bring on more people. And I have a great assistant who can help me like logistically figure all of this out. And then the next thing you know, like within a week, I had like 10 more people on my roster of people I could call to, you know, work with our clients. So this is such a great example of how the inner game and the outer game work together. So it's not that she just does the inner game work and money falls from the sky. Okay. In that initial VIP day that that you and I did, we mapped out a plan to like scale by opening, uh, different in different cities. And that was put on hold with COVID. It started to, we started to reactivate it. The moment we really thought about reactivating it, you get this call. It wasn't on the business plan. Friend wants to sell business to me. Right. Right. But it comes because you're ready for it. You're emotionally, mentally ready for it. And the business is ready for it. And then as you start growing and you get this, the the help that you need, when you start going forward, the universe meets you halfway. This is an exact example of this. And then because she's done the inner game, when things are hopping, she now knows, even though we talked about it at the beginning, you just hire more, right? That's the leverage. That's how you leverage. She's able to easily access that information and act on it. Like it's just who she is now. It, it doesn't even have to come from me. It's like, oh yeah, I got this covered. I know exactly what to do. And that's that synergy between the inner game and the outer game, which it, it looks 
effortless on the outside, but you wouldn't have hired those people a year and a half ago. You would have shut down, as you said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or I would have like put it out there who wants to come work for me and then not had the systems in place to actually progress through the steps. Um, because something we talked about in my first podcast is that I have ADHD and it can be really, I, I'm really great at like starting things and initiating things. And I'm not so great at the follow through and the, um, the process fees. I just want things to, so really working on that skeleton, the foundation, whatever of having these processes in place, like getting the job application put together, being able to put the word out, you know, spread it around to my networks and then say, okay, to my assistant, all these applications are going to come in. We need to pick a time to sit down and go through them. And then you need to reach out to these people and set up phone calls so that I can interview them. And so we did that together and she did a lot of it. And that was what made a huge difference because in the past I would have been like, okay, who wants to work for me? And then completely like, lost the plot because somebody called me with a three week old baby who needed cover. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I think another huge thing that is sort of both inner and outer and this, you know, I thought of it when you said you're not stupid because it, it feels so silly, but I'm so like pleased with it. It, it feels like the dumbest thing, but like something that you said pretty recently that I was like, oh yeah, was that sales is the most important thing that you do in your business. And I was like, it is. Like, I kind of saw it as one equal part of like all these other things, but it's not like selling is how you have a business at all. So once I started shifting my mental focus to, okay, I have to make sales, like this sales call definitely takes priority over this like other, I don't know, whatever, like look at the books or I don't know. I don't, whatever it was like once I started really prioritizing sales as the most important thing and getting really excited about sales and sort of like chasing that a little bit more, that's when I really started seeing these bigger contracts booking and these, um, you know, clients booking well in advance and committing to a lot more upfront than they previously had. So it's really been interesting to see how my shift to my job is to sell our services and everything else is secondary to that has huge. made this, this huge, huge impact. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people want to avoid sales like the plague, right? They think sales is manipulative. Sales is going to make me, you know, uh, take money from people who don't have it, you know, do something wrong, turn yeah. me into a bad human being, make me into a greedy person who only cares about money. When in fact, sales is service. And we did a lot of work on, I mean, you've sent me sales calls. We've talked about sales. And then we talked a lot about sales process and right. what right now Devin is still in what I would call more of the manual sales process as, a, as opposed to an automated sales process. She's got some systems and she does do uh, marketing, but fundamentally the things that I was working on with her were around activating her existing network. 
and telling the universe in no uncertain terms, I'm ready for more by showing up. And it doesn't necessarily come directly, right? She might be on five or six calls with people who aren't going to buy, but then she gets something out of the blue that's a forty dollars or $50,000 job. And it's not out of the blue. It's, it's just through a different person. So we really activated making that outreach, which is part of sales, a priority. The other thing we did, and I'd love for you to speak to your your perspective on this was that we set, and it's not as if we hadn't done this before, but you took it um, seriously and we did it at a different level. We set some sales goals that were quite mighty. So, yes, and and monthly ones. So terrifying. (laughs) Uh, So talk to me about those. Yeah. So previously, like in the past, I've always kind of been like, how can I set goals? I don't know how much people are going to want. I don't know what they're going to want to do. Like, I don't know what they can afford. Sometimes people do like two weeks with us. Some people, sometimes people do three months with us. Sometimes people do, you know, one night a week. Sometimes people do seven nights a week. Like, how am I supposed to set goals? There's nothing to predict. It's not like I'm doing a launch of my online course and my list is this big and the class can take this many people. So I know what my goals are. And a lot of people, my, my previous sort of methodology around selling, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this. I don't think I just like did it poorly or made mistakes for a lot of years. I think that I had to grow into this, but it was, okay, let's get you something to start with. And then you can just keep going. Like you can just have your caregiver, like if you want to extend, they'll keep coming. Like you don't have to like, I didn't want to scare people. I wanted to be like, you can just start out with a small amount and then make your decision as you go about what you want and and what you want to do. And, you know, when I looked at, at the amounts that some of the people ended up spending with us at the end of the day, like at the end of their, their time using us with their newborn, um, it was, it was, you know, sometimes like 30 K 40 K. And I was like, if I told somebody who called me upfront that they were going to pay 40 K to us, they'd be like, they'd laugh at me and hang up the phone. People don't want that, you know? And um, also because in our industry, there's a lot of really, really cheap help that you can get. Um, That's a whole other issue. (laughs) Uh, And we are definitely on the higher end because we're very professional. We're well-trained. We have a ton of experience. Like we're, we're the best. We're the boutique of the business. So also I was worried that people would see that compared to someone else's prices and say, oh my God, they're too expensive. So I wanted to like ease people into it. So um, the mindset shift came from, you know, getting people committed to, and and really knowing that like, this is what you want. This is what you're looking for. This is what you're going to need. Here's, you know, here it is. Here's what I would like to propose that you do. And if this is too much, and if you want to do something smaller, that's fine. But this is what I think is going to be the best thing for you to do. And people started coming in and asking for that sort of thing, asking for these high level, long term, live in like these just really intense um, you know, a a lot like big sales. So then I was like, okay, well, since now I have an idea of what they're committing to upfront, I have an idea of how I could even set a goal for sales. Um, 
So I said, okay, okay but I'm that's, gonna... I think that's revisionist history. I think we set the goals before those mm. big ones were coming in. You're probably right. Well, I probably got like, cause we, we got a couple of them like last year before the mm. end of the year. And that sort Correct. of indicated to me that like, oh, people are willing to commit. Okay. Mm. But that was, you know, obviously a lot of coaching that we did around that too is like, people will commit to things if you, and, and, you know, it's, it's a newborn baby. There's flexibility. Of course, I didn't want to like lock people down to this like big major thing, but there's like flexibility once they're, once they're in. So I still have that. I still offer that. It's still totally fine. You know, they can still extend whatever. So, um, so then I felt like, okay, let me set my goals, not around, you know, what people are actually going to like do this month for services, because that's tricky to figure out, but what am I actually going to sell? What am I going to get people to commit to? What contracts am I going to sign? So then I was like, okay, these are, this is how I'm going to set my goals. And I also wanted to do, I, I don't, I've never liked the idea of taking your goal for the year, say a million and dividing it by 12 because I think the amount that you can do in January is going to be different from the amount that you can do in December. Like you're growing, you're learning, you're getting better at this, you're growing your business, you're getting referrals. Like we were going to scale and expand. So I didn't, I didn't want to say, okay, what, what is it? I think you told me this. It's like a million, it's like 80, 80 something a month. 84. Yeah. 84 a month. I was like, I can't do like 84,000 in January is like great. Like the most I've ever done in a month is like, I don't know, 40 to 50. I said, so I can stretch that a little bit and then I'll increase it month over month to the end of the year. So I set my goal for January at 60, which was terrifying. It was huge. It felt like it was so much. And then I had it increase 5,000 a month. So um, I think I forget exactly what it is, but by the end of the year, I'm supposed to be doing like over a hundred thousand a month, which feels like, felt like it would be, uh, could I sell 5,000 more each month? That felt very doable. <clears throat> could I sell 60 K? No, that feels terrifying. There's no way I can possibly do that, but whatever. I just have to prove a mirror wrong that I can't do this. And then it'll be fine because she'll believe me because I'm not meeting my goals and she'll understand that I need to have much smaller goals. Have I ever understood that? No, but I was going to prove it to you. I was, I was very, I was, I was planning on this. So, uh, in January I did over 60. I did, I, or I think I like just about hit it. I might've been a tiny bit under, and then I realized something I hadn't logged and I like just hit it. And I was like, holy shit, I hit my goal. Like that, that's weird. That's just a fluke though. That's like, that, that was just weird. So I'm going to interrupt you here. So yeah, yeah. the way Devin proves me wrong is by doing what I tell her to do. Okay. So yes. I, I, I want you guys to understand that she wasn't recalcitrant in doing no. the work. Okay. I mean, we had to talk about what it was and work through the things that were stopping her and all of that. But once yeah. we did that, she did what I coached her to do she got the results that she wanted. Okay. So even though, even though she was like, I'm going to prove her wrong. Like this is fucking, excuse my language. This like, is crazy impossible. She actually did the work and she got the results. Okay. Yeah. And this is really important to, to understand. Okay. Please go. Yeah. On. And, and that's, that's a hundred percent the case. I'm like, you know what? She thinks this is going to work, but she's wrong. So I'm just going to prove it to her by doing what she says and showing her the results that, uh, that I'm not getting or the, the different results that I'm getting. And somehow every damn time 
I get the results that you said I was going to get, but I can't even be mad about it because it's so amazing. I'm just always like, you were right again. <laughs> well, the methodology works. And exactly. to your credit, you do the work. You show up, you ask the questions, you, you're transparent with yourself and with me about where you're stopping. You're not trying to have everything together. That's, this is a really important thing. So many high-performing women, and I'm going to throw you in that category, Devin, okay? Sure. Women who have big goals, dreams, ambitions, uh, they come in all different sizes and shapes, but oftentimes people don't want, they want to have their act together and they don't want to show up in full transparency and say, I'm, I'm struggling here. What do I do here? Even though they've hired me as their coach. And so oftentimes I have to coach people on being transparent and asking for help. You have always done that, Devin. It's super, it, and, and you do it in a way that doesn't diminish yourself. There's no aspect of you that says that I am lesser than because I'm asking this question or that I'm having this challenge. You, you come to the, the conversation with, you're my coach. What do I do here? Okay. And, (laughs) and then we have, and then we have a conversation and then you do the work. It might be a little circular with the ADD, but, or ADHD, but you get there. Okay. And you actually do it, which is a big uh, key to success that people need to pay attention to asking for help and then executing on the help, not blowing the help off. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that as you're saying that, Part of it is that I try to show up the way I want my clients to show up in the work that we do. So the thing that I do in the business is, is like I said, it's higher level. I do sleep training. So I help people who are struggling with their baby around sleep and schedule and all these different things. And I come in for a couple of days and I fix it. And a lot of them have no idea whether it's going to work, how it's going to work, even though I've told them it's going to work. And they are skeptical of the things that I suggest and things like that. So what I always say is like, let's just give it a try my way. And if it doesn't work, we can try it a different way. Like I'm, now, it's fine. I'm going to pitch your services here. Do you work with women just in the tri-state area or do you work remotely? No, we I work mean, I all know- over. Yeah. We work all over the country in person and remote. I have people in all different areas and, um, yeah, and, and we do remote as well. So so if you have a newborn and you're up in the middle of the night listening to this, she's your woman. If yeah. you have a friend who has a newborn or a daughter who has a newborn or yeah. you're and it doesn't. Pregnant. I mean, I help people with babies like in the first couple of years. I sleep trained a six-year-old once because um, they just needed like some guidance on how to get themselves where they needed to get. And I'm a big um, proponent of this work because I know from the work that I do that if you're not getting good sleep, your subconscious programming, the, some of our subconscious programming is really powerful in a positive way, but other aspects of our subconscious programming are powerful in a negative way. It takes us back to an old pattern that isn't for our conscious highest and best place that we're going. It's an old belief pattern that if you have good sleep, you can make a conscious choice and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And you can decide in favor of what you consciously want, not your subconscious pattern. But if you're sleep deprived, that subconscious pattern is going to just 
you know, run ripshod over your ability to choose powerfully in favor of yourself. So I'm super pro making sure that you get good sleep and you need your kid to get good sleep for you to get good sleep. Okay. So back yeah. to you, Devin. Can um, you talk about what happened next? So you hit that first 60 and right. then what happens? Yeah. So then in February, I was like, great, like gangbusters. Like I want to do great sales again. I want to hit this goal. I want to be able to get Amira off my back about these goals. Like I just hit the goal that, <laughs> and I, I think it's important to say that like, I, I definitely like closed a bunch at the end of January, like right down to the wire. And I remember that story you always tell about how like at the end of the year, you were so close. And then instead of like doing something, you went, but I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that like stress level, that like pressure. But another thing, but I didn't think it was possible to, to get the sales any sooner. Like it had to be at the end of the month. And what you have said was like, well, what if you got it by like halfway through? I was like, Amira, I could barely get this by the end of the month. Like what makes you think I'm going to be able to get it halfway through? So then February, I had, you know, a lot of sales going out, a lot of sales calls. I had some potential things in the, in the pipeline. I did a decent amount and my goal was 65. Cause like I said, I was increasing 5,000 a month and I did a decent amount. I think I was probably at like 30 something. And I had a few things like in the, you know, in the oven, people I had been talking to people that were, I was just waiting on to like sign their contracts and close their contracts and whatever. And then the month ended and I didn't make the goal. I was at, my goal was 65. I was at like 38 and I was like, <laughs> and there we go. Well, there we go. This is it. I've, I've proven it that I can't do this and that my goals are whatever. And then I remembered that February only has 28 days and that most months have 30 or 31 days. So I gave myself a little, uh, a little bit of leeway. And by like the third or the fourth of March, I closed out a lot of these contracts and exceeded my February goal. Okay. So, so I'm, I was willing to go with Devin to be excited and support this because freaking A. I want her right? to be motivated. And for all yes. of you listening, February ends <laughs> February 28th, okay? She didn't actually make her goal, but but she took the the idea that she could do more in a short period of time and executed on that. She'll never exactly. forget that. Okay? She'll exactly. never forget that. Now when it's February 26th, she's going to be like, I'm meeting my goal. Okay? <laughs> Like, exactly. Now she if knows I could do that this. she can, yeah, like in, in, yeah. A, in a few days, you made up another, I don't know what that was, but another $30,000 or something. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly how the numbers played out because yeah. I did put them in March, but I was like, oh, wow. Like I've already sold this many, like with the seeds I started planting in February, I've already sold. Okay. So I've exceeded my, my February goal, but now I have to do my March goal. So I'm going to be hustling the rest of March to do this March goal of 70,000 because blah, blah, blah. You know, I put this toward yada, yada. And I remember well, I was texting you. I'm like, you can't count that for both February and March. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, well, then I'm just not going to meet the March goal. I can meet either one, but I can't meet both. And, um, by March 15th, I had already exceeded both the February and March goals. 
I ended up selling a hundred and twenty five thousand in March, which uh for those of you playing the home game, I did not think I was even going to be able to do in December, nine months from then. And I did it in freaking March and by March 15th. So <laughs> that was like, that just blew my mind, like freaking completely blew my mind. And then I did more sales in March. By the end of March, like my goal, you know, ended up exceeding that. But it was so like so crazy I was just like how how did I do that like and but now I'm like if I did it once I can do it again I can repeat it I have such like a you know you you tell the story of the four minute mile right mm -hmm. yeah I like love before, that so much right they before, thought it was impossible mm -hmm. to do a four minute mile if human body was not capable of it and then one person did it. They broke the record. They did the four minute mile. And I think like a whole bunch more did it in like the next couple like, months after. Yeah, three months, four months later, like five or six more people did it. Once once you know it's possible, yeah, you're like, I can do that. And I can do that. And I can do that. So freaking fantastic. My dog came over to so celebrate and now I love my goals. I am like so stoked to um see what I can do, like challenge myself. And and it doesn't produce like I was so worried that it would produce this like very anxious like oh my god, I have to like give up, cancel all my plans so that I can make my sales goals and whatever. But like it doesn't it doesn't do that. That hasn't happened. It, I haven't gone back to burnout. Like I haven't chosen that again which is so it's exciting. just become part of what I love about my business. And I love like sitting down to like do work, you know, which yeah. I always like kind of dreaded and hated because it like when you don't have systems and you don't know what you're trying to do and you don't have something like achievable to be excited about. It's like, Oh great. What did I do today? Cool. Like I, I don't know some. Yeah. So do you have your goal for April? What have I met it or do I have it? Do you have it? Have you set it? Oh yeah, is it, it's, yeah. Because I, well, I have my goals set for every month. No, so 60, 65, 70. So April's going to be seventy-five. Okay, so you're keeping the seventy-five goal, even though you made one twenty last month. Yes. Okay. Okay. By the yeah, way, you guys, if I... to to those of you who are listening, I had no idea behind the scenes that she was like, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I would have worked with her on that because like she, but you know what? You made it happen. So whatever you were, there was a well, I mean, part I, of you I, that you know, did believe. Okay. I, I mean, I was, I was exaggerating a little bit. Like, of course I, I believed I could do it sometimes. I believed that I could get close. I think it's nice to have a big goal to strive for. And like, it's okay if you don't really make it all the way there. Like, that was kind of my mentality, but there was no part of me that was like, you're going to meet this goal every single month and like and blow it out of the water in three months. I love it. And, and we've just barely touched on the execution plan of scaling to multiple cities. We've got a few exactly. going right now, but exactly. um, that's just going to, it's just going to take off. So yeah. talk to people about the French fry purse and what role that's played in your motivation. <laughs> um, Sorry, can we just, I just need to pause for one second because I have to open the door for this cat. Sorry. Yes, you can go out. Oh, come on. I didn't want you in here in the first place. 
the wiring. Do you want to ask me the question again? Or do you sure. just want to cut that out and we can go straight to the answer? Um, you, you, you can go straight to the answer. Do you need me to lead you up? No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> so um, the French fry purse is this pretty ridiculously, uh, it's, it's a designer, basically it's a piece of art. Uh, there's this designer, Judith Lieber. She makes these bags that are like shapes of things and like encrusted with rhinestones and they're ridiculous a lot of them are like animals and stuff like that and she has one that looks like a thing of french fries in a little pink container and it has a rainbow on it and it's it's ridiculous and my mother is gonna her eyes are gonna roll out of her head when i get it can you can you tell our audience what the price tag is on this so that they understand the context that this is yeah. from the dollar store no it's about six thousand okay. dollars and it's not even practical and Devin has been talking about this purse since probably our sales conversations. Like, I don't remember a time <laughs> where you weren't talking to me about how much you love this purse or slipped it into the conversation. Okay. It yeah. comes up. But it regularly. wasn't something that I ever thought I would buy for myself. That's the thing about it. That it's always been this like pie in the sky someone else is going to buy me this purse or I'm going to find it used or I'm going to find a knockoff or something like that. Or it's like, well, you know, no, that like flying first class to Paris is like the French fry purse. Like it's not something I'm going to ever have. It's just something I'm going to fantasize about and want. Sorry, one second. What's up? Do I need to look at something or? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, um, I was actually gonna, no, I was gonna just put all these on that wall, like have them all over there. So I think we're actually, you know what? I think these ones, so these, can you just put like the three next to each other, like over there or, oh. It's fine. I could probably fix it. But yeah, just put in like the three nails for these, like over there on that wall somewhere and I'll build everything else around it. And that's fine. That's good. Yeah. Or just leave them and I'll, I'll deal with it later. Um, and then just do, I think if you just do the decal and the shelves will be good. Okay. Sorry, I have somebody here doing work and I thought I got them all set up with just what mm -hmm. I wanted done and then we had that's to re-clarify that's okay Sorry. okay so yeah you thought so, someone else was gonna buy this for you right so because this was not something that I would ever consider buying for myself because it was so expensive and if I had that amount of money I would be I don't know I just didn't I just didn't see it as something that was possible that and that goes back to like the stuff with my parents and my childhood and that like frugality. And like, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. And my mom is very negative about people who spend a lot of money on things like purses and clothes. And she loves, she's so proud of herself when she gets something great at like Walmart. Um, and, and she's fine now, like financially, she doesn't need to 
she was so proud of herself that she got some steaks for a dollar. I was like, mom, I do not want to eat a steak that costs a dollar. It just doesn't sound like it's going to be good. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so this purse just seemed like something that was so beyond my reach, like so insane. Like that's not for me. That's for people who buy French fry purses. (laughs) And it has over time become something that I can get for myself that if I want that I can make it happen and that I don't need anybody else to get it for me and that I can be proud of how ridiculous it is that it was something that I was able to do for myself and I can have it and I can have other nice things it doesn't mean I have to give up my whole nice things budget for a year (laughs) just to have this one nice thing. Um, So let me, let me interject here from my perspective, this French fry purse represented, I am loved and I am worthy. Okay. Like someone else is going to buy this for me because they love me so much that, and, and therefore I'm worthy of this thing. And so much of the work that we've done has been around your own sense of worth and being in relationship and feeling worthy. And what is it that I do for myself? And what is it that I receive from others? Right? What am I open to receiving? And the the rub here is that as Devin has up leveled her self worth, and she's able to do things for herself, the more she's going to receive from others. It's not a zero sum game. It's not, oh, and then when I start receiving from others, I don't have to do anything for myself. No, it's, it's both go up more and more and more. And a little bit of a calling out here, you uh, have this, you're, you're doing a little hate love with this French fry purse right now. There's a part of you that's a little bit ashamed for wanting a $6,000 purse. Like, and that's the sub, right. That's the subconscious programming. That's the, the, the agreement, the loyalty pack with mom that says, we're not people who do that. Okay. That's, that's not okay. And yet there's part of, I don't want the French fry purse. It's not anything that turns me on, but it turns Devin on. And who am I to say like, there are things that turn me on that Devin couldn't care about. Okay. So, but Devin wants this and it's gotten into her psyche because it represents that she's kind of made it at that next level. So can you talk about the goal we set associated with this French fry purse? I don't actually remember the details. We talked about this just last week or the week before, sorry, bad coach moment, but you said when you get blank, you're going to buy yourself the French fry purse. And it was not the end of the year. So no. So I said, when I sell 150,000 in a month, yeah. I'll get it. Is that going to happen this month? Uh, it might. Mm-hmm. What about deciding okay. that it will? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little, that's a little sneak peek as, as to like how yeah. she and I work together. Cause, cause <laughs> I, I know that she can, I know absolutely she could do that this month. There's nothing in yeah. like, she could not make an argument that would tell me that she couldn't. She's primed to do that. She's going gangbusters. 
not in a chaotic way, not in an overwhelmed way, but she is methodically doing exactly what she needs to be doing. And that's just one more sale. Okay. That really is one more sale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, you know what, I think I absolutely can do it this month. So let's call it that. Um, but you know, I think in response to your saying, like, did I up my goal? No, because I like the way that I laid them out for the year, but I like the idea of setting like a next level goal. Like I need to do this much to meet my goal, but if I do this much, I get a prize. <laughs> I get, <laughs> French fry purse. I get yeah. the French fry purse or trying to do it like earlier and earlier in the month and seeing like how fast I can meet my goal. So I'm having a lot of fun with like playing games with it and stuff like that um, in a way that feels good for me. So I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. The, the French pie purse is a goal. Uh, I have a big birthday coming up this year. I want to get a really fabulous beach house for a week. So that's a goal. Um, there's like, there's a lot of things that I am going to do for myself and my loved ones when, when I meet all these big goals, which I have been doing, which is great. There was something out. Oh, I was going to say one of my favorite, I came across this recently because I wrote it down. But one of my favorite things that you've ever said to me is I came to you with some like quote unquote problem that I was dealing with. And you said, I'm curious how many more ways you're going to come up with to decide you're not worthy of love and success. <laughs> I love it. So did yeah, this just, yeah, did, you know what? You're, you're right. Yeah. That yeah. is definitely what I'm doing here is, is coming up with all these reasons why these things and, and back to what I was saying, like, I don't like it when my clients do that to me, you know, Oh, well, that's not going to work because of this, because of that, like you hired me because I know this stuff better than you do. So that's why I want you to, to put your trust in me. And that's why I put my trust in you. Even if sometimes I just think I'm going to do it to prove that you're wrong and you don't understand the me truth or comes out. whatever. <laughs> uh, that's fabulous. I love that. Is there anything else you would like to add? I know we've done a lot of conversation around uh, romantic relationships. Do you want to speak to that at all? No obligation, but that's been a big part of the, the journey and the inner game and the process. And I think it has everything to do with the French fry purse and making sales. So, yeah. So <clears throat> part of my journey in, uh, romantic relationships and, uh, dating and stuff like that has been, um, let me, let me start over. I had a very clear idea of what I wanted in a partner. And I also saw very clearly how the people that I was dating or seeing or spending time with, or even like seeing online or out in the world or my friends' partners or like everyone was not measuring up to this idealized image of what I wanted. And you and I did a bunch of work around it. And what I started really taking apart and what I started really realizing was that a lot of what I was, what I thought I was looking for in someone else was to fill gaps that I felt were missing in myself. And I do think that you can have a partnership with someone who is obviously complementary to you for sure. But for instance, you know, I want someone who's going to like 
have no problem like spending money on fancy vacations because they're like so successful that they can do that. And that was part of me realizing that like, I just thought I was not capable of that. And I needed another person who would be able to do the things that I knew for sure that I couldn't do. And because I was not of the belief that I was capable of it, I also didn't really believe that I deserved it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or that that it was something that, I don't know, I'm not really sure how to articulate it, but it's like when I looked at that like list of of things I wanted in a partner and I looked at and this was something you you made you you had me do an assignment that you gave me was to go through this list and think about why I wanted each thing and whether it was something that I could like also provide for myself and when I really looked at why there was a lot of things where I was like I want this person to rescue me from my own life or my own shortcomings and like none of that was helpful or productive in any way and what it really made me do to realize that those are things that I could provide for myself and that I didn't need someone else for was allow me to really appreciate the things that people were bringing to the table and really see that for how great it was and how um how what what I was looking for was I think and this is going to sound weird maybe but like almost like an idealized version of myself because I also wanted someone who was going to help me become the person that I really wanted to be and would see that in me and say like, okay, here's how you do it. Like, I don't know if I thought I was going to date Tony Robbins or like what, like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen there, but just somebody who was going to be like so perfect and so self-actualized that they were going to be like, here's how you're going to like, do you know, do all these things that you want to do. And here's how I'm going to help you, whatever. And, and they were not a person who was like a fully formed human being with any of their own, you know, issues or challenges or anything like that. Um, and that, that doesn't exist. That's not a real person. That's a, that's a, a dream and, and it's, and it's made up and it keeps you from having what you want in the now, because you're looking for this ideal that isn't possible to exist because they're the things that you're you feel are missing in yourself and when I started working on providing that love and that care and that having that self-worth that like valuing myself the way I wanted other people to value me and giving myself the things that I wanted other people that I thought I needed other people to give me it started showing up in so many ways. And I, I mean, I guess it sounds a little bit like, I, like I'm talking about settling for less than what I want, but that's not what I'm saying. Like I'm saying that some of what I wanted was not for the right reasons. Would it be correct to say that when you started 
valuing yourself the way that other people started, the way you wanted other people to value you, you stepped into being first cause, right? You stepped into being the person who, who puts the cause into effect, who's the, the, the uh, person with agency in this world. And when you did that, then you got back people will recognize this as law of attraction, right? You got back exactly what you wanted before, but now you were in harmony with that vibration. So I teach the law of vibration as being the, the primary or foundational law and the law of attraction being the subsidiary law. Devin started to treat herself in a way that raised her own vibration, how she saw herself, who she was being, and, and her being this level went up, which meant that her vibration went up, okay? There's not a value judgment. She wasn't wrong before and right now. We're not talking about that, but she, her level of self-worth went up. The way she valued herself went up and changed and, and her expectations of the world changed. Therefore, she became harmonious with people who would treat her that way. And now- Sometimes that's the same people showing up differently, correct? Right. Yeah. Well, right. And I stopped focusing on what was missing or what was wrong or what was lacking in myself and what I wasn't capable of. And then I started also doing it in others and really seeing them for what they had and what was great and seeing myself for that and and what I was capable of and they started showing up at a much higher level because I was time. expecting yeah. it and looking for it and appreciating it when it happened instead of saying oh well like okay yeah I can have this expectation but it's not going to get met just like I had for myself oh I can set this goal but I don't I'm not going to meet it and then saying like, okay, I can do this. I am going to do this. And then like, oh, look at that. Like they're doing it too. Like, that's so interesting. Yeah. You know, um, expectation is so key. And it, so it's fascinating when I hear behind the scenes that you weren't really expecting things, but then you were at the same time, but yeah. the expectation is one of, you know, I teach the manifestation matrix and expectation has, you know, desire and expectation are linked. You have to not only do you have to choose what you want, whether that's your financial number, the French fry purse, the apartment, the, the type of relationship, whatever it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have to decide on that. What's your desire? Decide on that, but then you have to expect it to happen. So if you're then looking at the people in your life, expecting them to let you down, that breaks the manifestation process that breaks the creative process. So what Devin's talking about is she started to expect that she was going to get what she wanted. Okay. And started to see it and affirm it. And then that that's a spiral up. Yeah. And it just makes the day to day nicer to, you know, not constantly be worrying about what's wrong and what, and I'm not a person who's like a pessimist, but I definitely was looking for like, Oh, this is where you're not what exactly I want you to be. Um, so yeah. Fantastic. that's been, that's been huge. And I'm, I'm super happy with my friendships, with my romantic life, with just 
everything. My, my home, I got this beautiful furniture. Um, I'm making decisions a lot faster. That's something that you taught me too, is like fast action. Don't, um, <laughs> I have my, I am a quick decider mug quick decisions, that I'm drinking. In. Like just get it done. Like do the thing. Like my, my gut instinct before would be like, okay, this is something that I'm going to do. Oh, but I'll do it later. Like now I'm like, just, just fucking do it. Just, just, just do it. Just decide you're going to do it and get it done. Um, I also just want to make a quick point uh, about math that I think is probably people who are listening going to be a little bit confused about. Because when I talk about my sales numbers, uh, being 60, 70, and then like a, or 60, 40, and then like 120, that does not add up to 400 to 450. But I actually, in the second half of last year, pre-sold a bunch of business for this year. So our annual revenue of what's coming in for this year also includes, in addition to what I'm currently selling, what I pre-sold last year. So when I say I've made as much this year, or I've already made as much by March as I did in 2019, I'm referring to pre-sold business plus what I've sold so far this year, which was never the case before. I never pre-sold this much like this far. And all that revenue is coming in in 2021. Exactly. And all that revenue is coming in. It's just, we got the contracts previously. So now I'm looking at like, you know, I I sold a contract for September, but it went into March in my, in terms of my sales goals, because that's when I got the commitment. So just so that people aren't like, wait, that doesn't add up to 400, whatever, just so you understand. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for that clarification. It's important because we want like truth and transparency here, like truth and advertising kind of thing. So yeah. Great. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Is there something that you would like uh, a piece of advice or, uh, you know, something that was very impactful for you that you experienced any last words or messages that you'd like to share? Um, I mean, I think I've already shared a lot of that, but I think the biggest thing is just like, like just set, set big goals, like have big dreams, want big things. And even if you don't a hundred percent believe you could do it, if you think you might be able to a little bit believe it could be possible, that can sometimes be enough. So just start with any little inkling of a belief that, that the things that you want are possible for you. Yeah. And you'll get there way faster than you can imagine. I love that. So I want to riff off of that a little bit, and then we're going to wrap up. So one of the things my mentor's mentor said to him, and he said to me, right, it's been passed down now, is believe, if you can't believe in this yourself, that you can do this, that you can reach this goal, believe in my belief in you. And I think, I don't know if you've ever heard me say that before, Devin, but I think that that is what you have done. Because every time I say, like, what are you doing in April, right? Like, I just called you to the next level. Are you getting the French right. fry purse, right? Like, I totally know that you could do this. Like, it's, it's like, without a doubt, it's super clear to me. I feel it in my body. I know it intellectually. And you might be one foot in belief, one foot not in belief. But if you do what you've been doing, which is, being like, okay, I'm just going to do what you tell me and believe in, in my belief in you, you'll continue to succeed. I, I uh, have zero doubt about that. So there you go. Okay. Before we wrap up, can you tell people where they can find you? And then I have one last question for you. 
Yes, um, you can find us online, happyfamilyafter.com, not happily, happyfamilyafter.com, and on Instagram, at happyfamilyafter. Um, I am trying to grow my Instagram following for the business, uh, so that would be great. And um, yeah, we can help anybody with a baby who's struggling, or baby or a young kid who's struggling with pretty much any issue at all. I love it. So. Yeah. Find her, go say hi on Instagram, check her out. She's a uh, awesome human. Okay, my last question for you, and I end all my interviews this way. What makes you an unstoppable woman? Um, what makes me an unstoppable woman is that I just keep wanting more things and I have to go and get them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're letting that desire call you forward. I love it. Freaking awesome. Well, thank you so much, Devin, for sharing your story. I hope it has helped so many people to know what's possible, that you've gained some tips. Devin shared so many of the things that she did tactically and inner game wise to really break through. And I hope to have you on again in another few months when you can thank say, you. yeah, I would love that. I made a million. Or Show whatever off it is. my French fry purse. Yes, exactly. We'll have to do that. Okay. Rock it out, be unstoppable, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. I want to let you know that we've got a ton of free resources for you for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. Please go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting the message out. Share this podcast with all the unstoppable women in your life, your friends, your colleagues, your business besties. Please do that. And if you're game, we'd super duper duper appreciate a review on iTunes as well. Thanks so much and be unstoppable. <laughs>